Ministry Mentorship, Episode 7. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. In this episode, we're going to be talking with missionaries Nathan and Tanya Herod. Nathan and Tanya are dynamic ministers who have a great passion for missions and a true dedication to see revival in the church. They joined me recently during their travels in the United States as they raised money to go back to their field of mission. Let's join the conversation now. Okay, we're here today with Nathan and Tanya Herod, and they are missionaries to the country of Spain. And they have two children, Elena and Lincoln. Uh, They've both grown up in a minister's home. Nathan grew up in Illinois. His dad is a pastor, and Tanya grew up in Bolivia, South America, and her parents were missionaries there. Nathan has uh, graduated from Gateway College, and Tanya graduated from TBC. Nathan and Tanya, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about your what you're doing right now in Spain and, and when you started uh, that journey of your life. Well, right now we um, we base out of Barcelona, Spain, a city of five million people. We pastor there, a church right downtown Barcelona, and uh, it started nine years ago. We went there in two thousand four, March of two thousand four. We began to pastor uh, the work there, and um, the Lord has done a great work since that time, and we've seen a lot of growth. And the Lord has helped us to reach out to the Barcelona area. Of five million, and ultimately to the forty-seven million that we have there in Spain. Well, Nathan, can you give us a couple of testimonies? Tell us what God is doing right now in your travels. Well, we've been traveling on deputation now for going on ten months, and um, the Lord has blessed us in raising uh, the support necessary to get back. We're still got a few months to travel on that, but our main focus has. Uh, really been ministering to the churches, and I have focused more uh, this deputation on healing, on miracles, and seeing God move in a miraculous, miraculous way. A little over a thousand people have testified of different miracles of healing um, since we've been traveling on deputation, and um, probably in the last three months have seen about 10 or 12 different deaf ears opened up maybe in the last two months, five or six different blinded eyes opened up. So it's just been amazing these last few months uh, of what God has been doing. I, I haven't, to be honest, I hadn't seen this sort of thing in, in all of my life up until, uh, uh, personally in my own ministry, up until these last uh, 10 months of travel. So it has increased my faith, of course, and as my faith has increased, it has happened more and more. So it's been, uh, it's been amazing. Wow, that is great. That's great to hear those reports, to hear what God's doing. Let's talk a little bit about about missions. And and let's ask Tanya this question. What is it like being in a foreign field, or what does just a normal day look like for you? Well, it certainly is different in the aspects of the culture and the pace that the country we live in goes at in comparison to here in North America. 
Um, but, you know, a normal day, I am first off um, a mother. And so we have our kids at home in the daytime. And most of our duties in the church per- are kind of in the afternoons and evenings because of the schedules that our church people work. So we, we are usually at church four to five times a week in the evenings with our kids, um, you know, whether it be services, prayer meetings, choir practice, whatever. I'm very involved and active in the ladies' ministry, Sunday school, Bible quizzing, um, and a lot of elements in the church. So we stay very, very busy. Now, there may be some some young people right now that are listening to this, and they're saying, you know what, I feel like God's leading me towards missions. I feel like God is is directing me. Can can you take a minute first, Nathan, and then Tanya, and just talk about your journey into ministry and, and how you really got started in your ministries? Well, I first felt a pull towards uh, global missions when I was around 16. I can't say that I had any definite, definite direction of where that would be, um, what even that meant. But uh, it was a, I was in a missionary service, deputation service, about 16 years old, and the Lord began to touch me. And I really felt a call at that time. So it was um, it was a journey from there. Um, you know, of course, I went to the Bible school, and um, there the Lord dealt with me a little more, but I still didn't know what that meant. I knew I had a burden for missions. I didn't know if that meant I was called to be a missionary or to go somewhere else. Um, and uh, it's it's really the Lord just kind of opened the doors for us when we when we went to Spain. Um, it was my last year of Bible school, and we had the opportunity to go on the AIM program in 2004 to be furlough replacements and to pastor the church that we ultimately pastor now uh, in Barcelona. It was a brand-new work. So at the time when we first had that opportunity, I said, well, I don't know if... if if this is the will of God, then he's going to have to provide the finances um, because we had to raise a budget that would uh, sustain us for about a year. And um, so it was in that time that we kind of wrestled back and forth. Is this the right thing? And it really, at that time, I didn't feel a, 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 a concrete call to the nation of Spain, but it was the door that was open. And so my wife and I talked, and I said, you know, if this is the, if this is, the way we're supposed to go, then the Lord will open up the finances for us to go through. So ultimately, um, it was just a miraculous thing of how it all came together as far as the finances. I didn't know enough people that had that kind of money or have enough supporters in that way, but those last few months before we were scheduled to go, it seemed like the Lord just opened up, put us in contact with person after person who began to fund our, our trip over there. So when we got there, to be honest, my my heart uh, wasn't in the right in the right place to ultimately work there. In the beginning, we thought, well, if if uh, this is what God wants for us, then we'll be here for a year, and um, then we'll go back to the states and and we'll see what else happens. And it was about six months into it as we were pastoring the church there and working uh, with the people that the Lord spoke to me and told me. He said, Nathan, if you are going, you better start working here like this is it for your life. This is like this is it. And and I repented before God because honestly I had not put in the effort in those first few months that I should have. I, I was my mentality was, well I'll be here, I'll make sure everything goes well, um, that uh, nothing falls apart and then in a year I'm out of here. 
Um, and so after that, the Lord talked to me, and I went to my wife as well, and I said, I've got to repent. I've got to, I said, even if we are here six months, if we are here a year, or whatever the case may be, we give 110%. It doesn't matter whatever time span that it may be, we, we, we must pour ourselves into this as if this is it for life. And it was at that time that revival just, just, just broke out like never before in our church. And um, that was ultimately when the Lord began to deal with me about going or staying staying in that place, in that country full-time. And uh, then again, that was just in, the Lord began to open up the doors uh, for that to take place as well. Uh, for me, as uh, my husband had said before, you know, I was raised on the mission field and uh, raised in ministry. So when I came back to for Bible school, uh, at the age of 17, I thought the Lord had closed that door in my life, and it wasn't just a few short years later that the Lord opened the door for us to go on aim to Spain. And like my husband said, when we first were there, it was just kind of with the mindset of this is what's the open door in our life at this point, but we were not sure that was, you know, where we would be heading heading for long term. And I guess just as the longer we were there and the, the more we opened up, you know, our minds to the will of God for our life, um, the, the Lord just began to pour in a, a love and a passion for the people we were working with and for the nation that we were in. And that is when the, the burden began to develop. And it was, for me, a, a slow process of just a, a daily thing of just learning their culture there and learning the people and learning to love that nation and, of course, souls. And uh, it was, you know, not something like I've heard other people say, oh, well, I knew I was called because I had a vision or a dream or a lightning bolt, a word from God. But it was just simply just learning to fall in love with and be content in where the Lord had us. And as that burden just began to grow and grow, it's that, you know, ultimately we know exactly that's where the Lord had placed us. It just took us a while to realize that was where he had for us. You know, it, it's I'm hearing this so much as I as I talk to ministers I'm hearing them saying things like, it wasn't necessarily, like Tanya, like you just said, that bolt of lightning, but it was more of a just working into something that God had put there, and I was already into it, and it just kind of developed. What can that young person do right now if they feel like they're being led into missions? Well, I believe strongly, number one, in the authority that God has placed over us, and with if we will be obedient and submit ourselves to our authority, um, the Lord will work through us. I would say the first first step for a young person would be to talk to that, uh, talk to their pastor, and look for that opportunity to be involved in some way. There's, um, you know, there's the AIM program where people can go for three months, six months to a year. There's the different youth on missions trips and different things that people can go and fill it out just to kind of see if that's the direction that they're uh, really feeling because there's been people that say, "Oh yes, I feel a burden for missions," and then when they got there, they realized that, "Hey, this is there's more to this than I thought. It's not as glamorous as um, as some presentation that I have seen on uh, at, on a deputation service." But there is there is a sacrifice. There is a time of of trying to figure out what's going on in in, in that in that language and that culture. And uh, so I'd say that first step would be to talk with their pastor and uh, ask the advice and the leadership of, uh, of ask their leadership what direction or what they feel about it as well. 
and look for those opportunities to help out in the others. And, and the Lord has a way of opening up the doors to go into missions. You don't have to, I don't believe that uh, we have to force doors open. Um, we've all seen people and have times have been those people that see something and we try, this is what I want to do. And we go and we try to force that door open to do the will of God. I believe that when it is the will of God, the Lord will open those doors in his timing. Okay, Tanya, anything you want um, to add to that? Uh, just that, you know, once they have spoken to their pastor, if them and their pastor are in agreement, um, the next step would be to contact uh, headquarters, Global Missions, or the uh, General Youth Division. There's so many programs that are offered right now. Like my husband said, the, the Youth on Missions, there's AIM, there's Next Steps. There's so many programs available depending upon the need and the finances of the individual, or if it's a couple. Uh, or even a, a young family, there's different programs created to to help them just to get exposure. And I believe as many young people from the U.S. that can take a missions trip, whether it's a week, two weeks, a month, or whatever, it, it opens their eyes and, and gives them a burden just for souls, even if they don't ultimately end up in that particular country that they visited and ministered in. I took my first missions trip in 2004. I went to Bolivia, South America. My dad is from Bolivia. He grew up there. Mm-hmm. And it really had an impact on me. It it changed the way I looked at at. I mean, I, I didn't know what poverty was, really. I didn't, know, I didn't know what it was like in another country. What kind of experiences do people have when they go on these missions trips? Well, the... Um I went on my first mission trip when I was, I guess I was 18, and I went to Honduras, and uh, which was a third-world-type setting, um, the poverty. Um, and I went down there with a group of Bible school students to help build a church, and um, that totally impacted me from the beginning. Uh, we were there, and we, we worked from sunup to sundown to build that building. That one thing that really stuck out to me was that the pastor's wife of that church that we were helping to, to build their building, she was out there every morning on an open fire with a piece of tin over that fire to to cook fresh tortillas for us for breakfast. And uh, I that was very impacting, that uh, the, seeing the poverty, seeing the hunger of the people that were there. And what really impacted me, uh, maybe more than anything, was we went to church on that Sunday, and uh, it was Mission Sunday. It was, it was there service that was focused on missions, and um, I watched those people that hardly had anything, but they took up a missions offering to give to uh, missions to send out, and, and I'm not sure exactly where their missions were sent of that particular church, um, but they used it uh, most likely to help start other churches um, within that country or, or in Central America. I, mean, I watched that, and I thought, my goodness, these people who have nothing are taking a Sunday every month to give to missions. And though it may not be much in comparison to what we could give as Americans, these people have learned the principle of giving and are willing to sacrifice for the cause of missions. And I thought, my goodness, if these people have a focus on missions, on giving outside of their four walls, on sending people outside of their city, then how much more should we who have been blessed with finances, finances, with uh, place to live, such as the United States, how much more should we live by that principle of giving and sacrifice? Tanya, talk to that, talk to that young lady right now that 
is listening to this and she's saying, well, you know, that if I was married or, you know, you have a husband that's, you know, wanting to do this and he's called to preach, but, you know, I'm, I'm in a church and, and I don't know if I'm necessarily called to preach, but I feel like I want to do missions. Do I have to be a preacher to do missions? Well, um, I think that that's probably something a lot of young women who are called or feel a calling towards ministry um, struggle with. And it is something that I've spoken to many times to our ladies in Spain um, about, you know, finding your own ministry and finding your own niche in the, in the work of the Lord. Most of the aimers that we have had in Spain have been young, single ladies. We've had a few couples, but the majority have been uh, just young, single ladies. And they have been a tremendous blessing. There are so many things that, as a young lady, you can do. Uh, going into the mission field, number one benefit for our church, and I would think most missionaries would feel the same, is just that stable, godly, Pentecostal image of a youth or a person that is on fire that is so attractive to the new people in the churches that you would go and be ministering in. Just being that example, being that love, and just working the altars, and and um, just being there and being a support to the missionary family. Um, as well as there's so many things that, that uh, secretarial-wise um, and just helping in the different national offices, uh, just paperwork stuff, um, if they speak the language uh, for the nation that they were feeling to go to. There's so many things, Bible studies, passing out tracts. You don't have to be a preacher to be able to minister. There's Sunday school in so many areas that we've been able to utilize our aimers in, and normally, if you were feeling a calling, you know, you would, uh, once you had contacted headquarters, you would eventually make contact with that missionary before you arrived on the field. And that missionary generally is going to ask you, you know, where your area of talent, your area of burden is, and what, what areas you're comfortable in. Um, and then they'll kind of work a, a, uh, work a job description according to whatever areas that you feel you could, you're led to minister in. Um, and so usually, you know, we've, we've talked to those aimers before they've come to Spain and uh, already begun to get an idea of where they would be able to be used. And nine out of ten times once they're there on the field, the Lord develops greater things and more things in them as they just begin to become full-time actively involved in ministry. So um, I do not consider myself to have a pulpit ministry. I do teach and I speak at events and different things, but um, it's not something that I consider is my is my main ministry. Um, but I have seen the Lord use me in so many other ways um, and, and in so many areas. And so I think that it's not something to be intimidated of just if you don't have a husband or you don't yet know exactly where your calling or of ministry is supposed to be in. The Lord always wanting is somebody who is willing and who's going to love souls, and then he will put in the rest. That's great. Thank you for, for sharing that. Nathan, what are you seeing right now as you're traveling across the U.S.? What, if you could put your finger on the pulse of the church, and, and even talking specifically in the context of young people, what are you seeing right now? I see there's a hunger for the apostolic. There's a great hunger among, in our churches in general um, to have an apostolic move of God, to have many people receiving the Holy Ghost, to have miracles happen on a normal basis. And um, there's just a great—I believe that the Lord is putting things in place all across our movement right now for a great harvest 
that is coming very soon. And um, as I said before, just in the last 10 months, I have seen over a 1,000 uh, people testify of different miracles, blinded eyes open, deaf ears, uh, unstopped cancers that have disappeared, um, all kinds of things. And, and the Lord is beginning to use not just one or two people, but is beginning to use people throughout uh, our fellowship. And one of the things that I have focused on while um, while in our deputation services is, is trying to transmit to them that that they can walk in apostolic anointing and apostolic authority, that they, uh, those young people that are there, those people that have been in church for a long time, they can lay hands on the sick and they will recover, that they can lay hands on people and they will receive the Holy Ghost. And I, just as a general uh, overall thing, I, I feel very optimistic about our movement and the hunger for more of the things of God in our in our churches. Most people are not satisfied with just doing what we have always done, but they're wanting to push the limits, wanting to wanting more of a move of God than they've ever seen before. How can someone support you right now? Let's say or or even missions in general. I know my wife and I have been supporting you for the last few years and uh, we believe in what you're doing in Spain. How can a young person support you right now or find out about your ministry, even if they say, you know what, I, I really can't give anything financially right now, but I want to support you, I want to do something. What can they do? Number one, we need is prayer. We need people that will pray with us, um, pray for the revival in Spain. Europe and Spain have been very resistant to the gospel for so long, for many centuries, um, but that atmosphere is beginning to change, and right, the vial is beginning to be poured out there. So number one would be for prayer. Number two, if they wanted to help financially, they could support through their local church, or the pastor how they can do that. Uh, or they can go to globalmissions.com, and there, under missionaries, they can click on enroll as a PIM and support a, um, support a missionary or support us uh, on a monthly basis. Do you have a website or somewhere that people can see what's going on in Spain right now? We do have a Facebook account that's um, focused on um, basically reports of what is going on in Spain, and uh, they can search that under uh, Spain Missions Herod Family, and uh, there we try to put updates of what's going on um, every week, as far as people that are getting holy, those people that are getting healed. Also, they can follow us um, on Twitter at, at Nathan Herod, and there it's just constant flow of revival updates of what is going on in Spain and what is going on here on the deputation trail. Awesome. What would you say to that young person right now that's just seeking after God? I would say, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto under him, if we will seek after the things of God, the Lord will put those things in place. If you're feeling a definite call to missions, continue to search after God, talk with your leadership, talk with your pastor, express your burden to them, and they will be able to direct you in the area that you're to go. Well, my husband took the words right out of my mouth as a child, always growing up. My Anytime I had a want or something that was really not needed in my life, my dad would always quote, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
And um, it is true because when we first went to Spain, I thought I had already closed that chapter of missions in my life, that I had kind of already given those sacrifices to the Lord, and I was looking forward to living in the comforts of America and in a culture that understands me completely. And um, But so it was in those first few months that I was not content, and I was not uh, sure that this is what I wanted for my life. And it was when I began to seek the kingdom of God first and began to just live in the overflow uh, and trusting God to provide everything that we began to feel such a change in our spirits and such a passion for the work of God and such a passion for the country we were ministering in. And I can say that we never do without, even though we're on on missions and, you know, we have, I guess you could say, a, a fixed income, the Lord provides. Like it, We tend to outgive God everything that we do if we seek Him first. He provides exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I think that if somebody is, is serious about living for God and not and about giving and serving the Lord and and being a part in a ministry, that that is the key, is just seeking Him, seeking Him first in everything and not saying, okay, well, when I finish school or, or when I get married or, or whatever, but just going through those doors that the Lord opens for them because He'll provide greater than they can can see or think, and not just in the material ways, but in spiritual depth that you never knew in so many areas that will satisfy you so much more than the things of this world. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. And I really appreciate the insight you've given us, and I and I hope that uh, some of these young people will, will join you in prayer and also join you in support for your ministry. Uh, really excited about the things that are happening. One last thing as we wrap up. I wonder if, if each of you could just take a minute and, and just say a prayer over that young person that feels a call to ministry and even missions. Would you do that for us? Yes. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now for this young person that is hearing this. Lord, I pray that you would take away any confusion, any doubt that would be attacking their minds. Lord, I pray that you would open their minds up and to understand how to follow your will. I pray that you would make them sensitive to your voice, that they would be able to hear you and to follow you directly. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would raise up young people all across this nation to go into the kingdom and to to sacrifice and to give their all. I pray, Lord, that you begin to deal with them right now on how that they can do that and open those doors for them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Man, in Jesus' name right now, Lord, I ask that you would touch that young person, that young man or woman or that young family, God, who is feeling a calling to step out in faith and to, to follow you wherever you may be leading them, God. I ask that you would give them a boldness in you, God, that you would give them a, a spiritual knowledge, Lord, and that you would give them a, a power, Lord, like they've never felt before, to just step out, Lord, and to take those steps that they need in order to fulfill your will, Lord Jesus. I ask that you would help them to live for you passionately, sold out every day, God. that they may begin to see the things that they have felt in their spirits and the things that they have secretly dreamed about become to pass, Lord Jesus, that they would, Lord, submit themselves under authority, God, and find somebody that would help them to direct their path, Lord Jesus. I ask, God, that you would provide for them, Lord, the finances of whatever it may be that they need in order to take this step into, into missions or into ministry, Lord. Guide their steps, Lord. Put your angels about them, Lord, in your name, God. And give them a peace, Lord Jesus, as they take the step in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I'm, I'm sitting here just crying because I feel the Holy Ghost and I really feel like 
Um, I really feel like God is doing something big. And I thank you for taking the time to share with us and to, uh, to just impart that, that strength and that encouragement. So we, we just pray God's blessings on you and, and pray that the work in Spain will continue to grow and multiply. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.